Kia ora. Welcome to this bonus episode of Down to Earth Conversations. In episode 9 we had the chance to talk to Blair Ashdown from Heat Pumps Now about his journey of resilience uh, in the face of both professional and personal turmoil. And we got a bunch of questions back from that. I remember talking to my dad and he said, you know, it was it was really good, but he never actually got on to some of the the specifics about what actually went on and, and how he got things turned around. So uh, we decided that it would be nice to have another conversation, throw some of those things together and uh, put it out there for you guys to enjoy and to continue to learn from. Uh, so I sat down with Blair last week and yeah, we just we just chewed on that. For those who um, haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode 9 uh, because a lot of what's talked about just assumes that you've heard that. Uh, but the basics of it is that uh, Blair's heat pumps business started tanking, uh, going into uh, deficit uh, financially and uh, and caused him all sorts of anxiety and stress. And where most businesses would have gone on to fail at that point, uh, he managed to get his turned around but also had a, um, had a realisation that he needed to get some help around some of his mental struggles uh, as well. So uh, today we, we talk a little bit more about that uh, and Blair has asked that this episode be dedicated to Jana. So this is Down to Earth Conversations bonus episode. Here's Blair Ashdown. Right, we're here today with Blair Ashdown again. Welcome, Blair. G'day, Andy. Uh, last time we had you on the show, we uh, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and today we're going to dig a little bit into that. So, um, yeah, we, we talked a lot about your uh, crisis moment, I guess, that you had in your uh, business, but that also affected you personally. So, I guess, what contributed to that crisis point? What What was it that led to that lack of control that you found yourself in man that's that's that i guess the build up to it you when you start as as a business owner as as a person you have a certain set of skills right so you you start your business off so right now a lot of people that may be listening to this are entrepreneurs or they're just taking that first step in business which is so scary so it's critical moments in that first step in business first employee first big contract they're, they're, they're the really critical ones as you go along i think you get a little bit uh, uh, sort of not not proud, but you get confident, right? You get, but you can get overconfident, and so you think you know it all. You stop learning, and 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 the big message for me to anybody that's out there that's that's thinking about being a business or is just starting out, is that you never stop learning in this game ever. You never stop learning. I mean, it's a mantra for life, isn't it? But in this game in particular, you never stop learning in business. Mm. And so we're tricking, ticking along quite nicely for sort of three or four years. Things are growing beautifully. We're seeing some good numbers on the board, profitabilities, as though I was working in a normal job. But, you know, I've got a little bit of lifestyle freedom after those first two years of, of chaotic sort of working 24-7. And so that little bit of confidence just creeps in. Now, what tends to happen is you... Or in my case, I had a little bit of a sense that things were not right, that things weren't as they sh- should be 100%. Right? You could call it a prophetic gift, you could call it a, a sixth sense, or you could call it whatever you like. There's a bunch of things you could call it. But that over time became more and more evident mm. that 
something was 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 not right. Now, what what you tend to see in in, in a business, particularly in the bank accounts, is you either see an increase in the revenue inside your bank account, or you see a decrease. Okay, cash is king. That's the, that's yeah. the, that's the business mantra. It's absolutely true. If I if I ever went and talked to a business owner, particularly young, new, fresh in the industry, the first thing I'm going to ask is how much cash have you got in the bank? Now, half would balk at that and not want to tell me because it's private information. I get that. But if you tell me that you don't have anything, we're, we already know there's trouble. Mm. All right. So that's that's something we learned out of all of this. And so slowly but surely, this bank account is going into decline. And a good friend of mine came to see me and I, it's, things just weren't quite right. So I'm reaching out to close friends that are in the finance industry and I reached out to the, the current, at that stage, the current accountant to say what's What's happening here? There's a decline. We're starting to go into overdraft, in and out, in and out, in and out. But it's going further and further and further down down the toilet. And look, to be fair, um, he, and we'd been with him for years. He was absolutely wonderful, bent over backwards for us. But I clearly was no longer hearing the messages that he was giving me. He talked about our overheads were too high. He talked about all this kind of stuff. But then didn't sort of practically give us steps that we could take straight away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you're aware that there were some things there, but to you they sounded more like concepts than things that you actually would then to do. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I, I think so. But then you you have that confidence, right? So th yeah. let's call it confidence rather than pride. You've got the confidence, you have some idea that you know what's going on, Yeah. but then because you're uneducated or haven't been through that process or haven't developed a business to that sort of level of, yeah. of income, is this normal? Is is going into overdraft normal? Then coming out, going in, going out. Is that normal? It's like when you have a kid and you're trying to figure out is this normal parenting, having not had one before. Going, I don't know. <laughs> Asking everyone else, and it's different for everyone else. And well, here's a, here's an interesting family story. I won't won't say who's who in the story, but this is a, this is a funny one. So years ago, there was a story within our family that a um, let's call it a cousin, a, a distant cousin. The parents of this cousin, uncle and auntie took um, their son to my parents' place and he, he had asthma and it was a big problem and they took him in and said, we, we don't, this doesn't seem to be breathing that well and um, they took one look at him and ran the ambulance because his job was turning blue, right? Yeah. So, you, you yeah. know, that lack of experience, yeah. well, that's what I'm doing financially, right, yeah. within the business yeah. space is I'm going blue trying to hold my breath, hoping, this is the, yeah. this is the big one, hoping things are going to turn around, yeah. hoping you're going to start breathing financially. It wasn't happening. It just was not happening. And so as that starts to build outside its side of uh, season, so let's 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 go back. So at the start of our peak season can start around February, can be our biggest month of the year. Yeah. Then then March is great, April, and then we really start to build. Well, we're we're getting to the end of July. And what's going on okay thinking there's a thing called whip work in progress there's you know you've got stock you've got all this kind of stuff then thinking hoping we're back to hope again hoping that august comes right and i'm away the end of august all right so we've got a full-time salesperson it shouldn't be a problem but then i go away and where did i go i was oh, might have been vietnam Great holiday, didn't think about work much for two weeks. Had, had some really great, refreshing time. 
did some great stuff, especially shouted this over there. It's just part part of what you do when you start, you know, writing some numbers with any company. It doesn't matter who they are. But I come back in August or end of August, beginning of September, only to find that in the last few weeks the salesperson hasn't done a lot at all. And now the August figures are trailer park trash, right? There's there's so little money coming in that we don't even cover overheads, which. Anyone that's been in business any length of time, I think right now is probably just feeling quite dizzy themselves just hearing that story. And so it just doesn't stop. So September becomes really tricky. But now we've got this conflict, right? We've got this conflict between uh, me as the GM effectively and a salesperson who's not performing. And don't get me wrong, wonderful person. Like I, I couldn't speak more highly. But how do you sustain that as a business? How do you sustain an overhead like that that's not performing? The, the, the long and the short answer is you can't. Yeah. You actually can't. There's no physical way to keep that person there. Um, and even in the early st- stages when I said, look, we're taking a risk, we're bringing a, you know, someone on in the sales role, but it's a, it's a big call for us. The only metro we look at is sales on the board. And that's to all you sales managers out there, that is the only matrix you get to look at. Forget about everything else. Number of appointments, possible sales, blah, blah, blah. No way. Numbers on the board is it, right? So you've got to make some choices. Mm-hmm. And, and when I had been, and, and anyone that's listened to a previous um, podcast would know that I'd been to see some friends of mine, Dorian mm-hmm. and Jeanette, and they gave me a list. So I've changed, now changed accountants. Mm-hmm. And I've now got a list of nine things that I've got to go through, and, including yeah. reducing overhead, which unfortunately is wages, right? Yeah. There's your biggest overhead, rent or wages. Boy, oh boy, is that, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's starting to become a pretty heavy burden. So if you imagine a scales, right, the, the weight of, of, of a business is like a set of scales, but it's balanced almost with sand. Yeah. Okay, sand is the currency. But now I've got all the sand going on the one side in terms of, you know, one side might be the physical act of the business, the other one might be your mental health, right? Yeah. That's who you are as a person. Yeah. Now all this weight's going on that side, so what's going to happen next in the story? Mental health is going to start to decline big time. Yeah. And that's when you uh, you talked last time about waking up with sweats. You talked about, the, the one that sticks in my mind is, is you talked about feeling like you'd been tasered and that they'd left the taser on um, and that you were just really alert. And so, yeah, what, what was it like having this mental battle that also was manifesting in physical ways? You know, what was that like for you and, and did that express itself in any other ways? Look, so now we go back in the story. We go back to the discovery of, or you know, that thought or that sixth sense or something. So now physically, that little alert's going off in my mind. That alert's going off. The alert's going off. But in the meantime, I'm not sitting there doing nothing. I'm I'm not going. I'm not sit that kind of guy. I'm actually going to step out and I'm going to reach out for help and I'm going to. So I'm doing this non-stop. You know, give me some help here and I get people come through. What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong here. Like you. You know, this is just natural part of business. I'm still like, you know what? I'm not satisfied with that. I'm just going to keep searching, keep searching, keep searching. Mm. But I think that heightened state, that heightened mental state, then uh, is kind of dangerous because you're so heightened, you're actually prone to lots more sort of mental attacks, if you want to call it that way. You sort of now are starting to edge towards the limit of what you can actually handle physically, emotionally, mentally. So not only that, so we go, you know, we go back to family. So I've got 
four boys at home. Mm-hmm. I've got a l- loving wife now. Emily, um, our focus for for our kids has been she stays home and looks after the kids, runs the household, and all that sort of stuff. I go out and do some work, okay? Which is which is so rare for families now. We, it's it's you know it's a real blessing to be able to do that, right? We're we're so lucky. But you know she's not on on the same ride, right? So internally there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and the, but the biggest one is I'm now not communicating with her. I'm not telling her what's going on. So in terms of that build-up of the, the emotional, it's not even a roller coaster, it's a snowball, right? The bigger a snowball gets, the heavier that weight gets, like exponentially. Mm. It's exactly the same in this situation. Was that an intentional thing, or is that something looking back, you just went, oh man, I never talked to her? Or, or did you at the time go, look, I don't want to burden her with this, I, I'm, I'm going to get this sorted before I tell her? That is, that, that is a great question, because... I don't really know the answer. Yeah, right. I, uh, how, how would I answer that? The best way to answer that is I thought I was doing the right thing for yeah. her. Yeah. In hindsight, was that the best thing I could have done for her? Maybe. Does it help that both of us would be stressing out about it? Possibly not. Does that put strain on your marriage? Well, of course it's going to. Mm. But in our case, it didn't. It actually brought us closer together, mm. which I know. I know even through this situation now with COVID and we're, we're what are we now, August mm. 2020. We're going to move into September 2020, which economists and others are very cautious about. Election time, wage subsidy running out. We're going to see the true impact of what COVID's actually had. So we, I already know of couples that are broken up through this. The financial strain is too much, you know, and, and, and I get that. Or, or, or maybe it was just there was an underlying issue already and this has just exposed it. Spending four weeks with your loved one is going to do that, of course. So uh, should, I guess the question that you're asking is should mm. you speak to your beloved bit mm. about this? Or who do you talk to about it? Who, who are the right people? Well, that's a good point because then when you think about it, look back at what I was doing. Okay, I'm taking action, mm. but I'm taking action physically. Mm. I'm not taking action mentally. Right. So, again, my encouragement to those that are out there is if you're taking an action physically, you've got to marry that up with a, a mental step as well. Yeah. And it was only almost at the end of all of the catastrophe that I went, right, I need to go and see somebody now. Yeah. But imagine if I'd had that little relief Stress relief, mental relief, through that whole process. Yeah. The question is, how much better would I have handled it? So then you go back to saying, do you think you should have taken your partner, your spouse, your wife on this journey? You know what? If you've got if you've got the the, the physical action with the mental action going hand in hand, you might not have to. Again, go back. Should both of you stress? I don't know. Maybe that's. I guess that answer comes. But I had been reaching out, but just not enough. Mm. Just that's just nowhere near enough. Yeah, I think I think that's a really important point to make. That actually, uh, there are people out there whose job is to help with stuff like this. And yes, they'll help you when you fall off the cliff, but they'd rather help you not fall off the cliff. Um, and that's what I hear you saying essentially is that if you'd had that support, maybe actually you could have made decisions more clearly or. Um, not ended up in the mental space that you ended up in. Um. Well, that's a good point. And, and probably another point about that as well is which 
psychology path you're going to go down. Okay, men, you call it mental health, call it what you like. Do you want to, you want the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff or the fence at the top, right? And so I wonder in terms of psychologists, psychology and all that kind of stuff, that, that re mental recovery mm. at the bottom of the cliff, maybe the fence at the top is more based around life coaching or yeah. you know that ability to really download and dump some stuff on the table yeah. and for them to go, you know what, I think, I think you're right. You know, maybe, maybe you need to explore it in a different way. Mm. Um, two heads are better than one. A collective round table of heads is even better again, right? Maybe as men, maybe we're a bit more stoic and, and maybe we don't reach out for help. We don't go for the physical test that we should do after 40. Don't remind me, it's time. Uh, maybe that's a good point. Maybe that is actually a requirement. Mm -hmm. Now, there'll be so many different people types of people's you know characteristics of people listening to this some would be so for this they'll be booking an appointment right now and they'll be like I, I i know what i need to do for the future i know what i need to 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 do to be successful my mental game is going to be number one what's the difference between a golfer that hits a minus 20 and a minus two you could argue that their their competencies are both the same they both have the same ability to do it but why is one guy doing minus two one guy's minus 20 you'd argue there's a there's there's a mental game in there, huge mental toughness. So I, I, I think you'd almost encourage people whether it's your strength or whether it's not, your your physical actions within your business need to marry up with the internal world that you're actually that you've actually got. That some have the the mental fortitude to really withstand anything that comes their way. Mm. Maybe I put myself in that category, maybe not. We know eighty seven percent of businesses that tip just keep going. What I found out recently was, particularly there was a um, a builder in the North Island. I won't won't name names or, or name and shame because that's not fair. But when I looked at how much they owed, it was something like thirty five thousand dollars. Now, for a builder, that's that's not a lot. I mean, they got millions of dollars going through the books, right? But what had happened is because him and his wife were both involved in the business, what they'd done is meant, run out of the mental fortitude mm. to fight the battle anymore. The business was totally resurrectable, but what they, what they lacked is the desire. Yeah that commitment to really push through. And that's not saying that they were weak or that they mm -hmm. didn't, you know, have what it took, but maybe just internally there was this, that they just needed that, that extra support to push through. One thing I picked up on last time we talked was that you talked about having this desire. And uh, it's easy if you just hear that as a soundbite to think that just means toughen up, get on with it. But what I hear you saying is I have this desire to make this thing work and so I'm going to talk to everyone I can find that's going to help me do that so actually having the desire is not about toughening up and getting on with it putting your head in the sand and, and hoping it's going to work out alright um, but is actually about going right what are the practical things that I can do to make a difference here um, so for you like last time we talked about the fact that the business did turn around what are some of the practical things that you actually did that helped that turn around to happen. A, f a friend of mine, Jeanette, who I mentioned quite a lot, actually said to me, mate, it's time to put your big boy pants on. And it's funny when you're in the midst of this psychological torture, that's the last thing you want to hear, but it's the best thing you need to hear. Yeah. You know, you actually got to buck up, front up, day in, day out. You get out of bed, you put your clothes on, you go into work, no matter how painful it is externally, internally, and you keep, you keep going. You asked me quite early on, or you spoke about the that really tumultuous mental mm. turmoil that I went through, the physical waking up at four o'clock in the morning regularly, yeah. day in, day out, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. 
the, the when it got so bad was I started physically sweating to the point where I'd have to get up, change my pajamas, and change the sheet. It was that bad, and that was during my sleep. This was, wasn't me waking up sweating. This was physically during my sleep, which is just crazy. But during that time, when I felt like I'd been shot by the taser and, 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 and just kept going, something inside me went, I've got two choices, right? I'm in or I'm out. Okay, I'm going to just do the very best I can or I'm going to bail. And what I thought, the very first psychology sort of point that came through was, even if this thing goes down the toilet big time and we lose everything, and I mean everything, I'm talking hundreds of thousands, if not a million bucks, just quietly, you know, it's, it's big dollars, big dollars that we worked hard for, that we're trying to protect and trying to do. This is it. This is this is this is us walking out. In my mind, I went, but at the very least, with all of that walking out with the clothes on her back, what did I learn? Mm. Come on, I've d- where did this come from? You know, I'm actually now happy that the boat's sinking. We're going to drown on the Titanic. And I'm going, what did I learn? Yeah. What? Who is this person? And then, I, then what I did was I reconciled myself, reconciled that within myself and went, that's pretty much the worst case scenario. Mm. We lo- lose everything. But what's the foundation of my life? I love family. Family's it. I love being a dad. I love having boys. I love being married 21 years next month, just saying. Pretty good effort. Not bad for a modern day marriage. But I love it. That, that's, you know, family to us is everything. So everything you build on top of that is wonderful, you know. And so then as the, as the weeks go on, and even with, the, excuse me, with these physical manifestations, the mental toughness really is starting to kick in. What, where did this come from? Why is this kicking in? And then after my friend Jeanette says, put your big boy pants on, you've got some work to do, you just got to get this stuff done. You've got 30 days to get these nine things done. And I'm talking big things, man. One day we'll talk about the nine things. We'll just let a bit more time go go, go by. Then I had this realisation that we've built something wonderful. And if I'm going to resurrect it, it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be even more amazing because I've not only learned the lessons, but we've recovered. Mm. So what does that bode for the future? It's going to be incredible. But I also discovered that because we had no protection financially with trust or anything like that, I've burned the boats, man. Mm. This is it. This is we got one plan. Plan one. That's it. Yeah. We've got the one plan. There's no fallback. There's no backup. There's no... You know, have another go or do this particular arm of business or recover this way. This is it. And I have heard some some other, you know, talks recently that talks about that talk about you should never have two plans. I'm not sure where I stand on that, but we have one plan. This is it. But I think what the the best thing that happened for me, or can happen for anybody, particularly in the COVID, if you've lost your job right now, Mm. what you have is uncertainty. And people hate it. You know, they run towards pleasure, they run, run away from pain. That's the reality of, of, of life. But what I did was I put some psychology around what I could control, put some clarity around what I could control, and I just 
uh, not fobbed off what I couldn't, but just acknowledge I'm not I'm out of control of that. Yeah. What I'm in control of, I'm going to focus on. And so in, in one sense, you're, you're almost a driver with two steering wheels or two, you know, like when you're learning to drive and the, and the, and the co-driver actually has handbrakes and, you know, foot pedals and stuff to stop you from muck it up. I feel like there was a little bit of that, but from every, every now and then it's changing from one side to the other. One minute I'm the passenger, the next minute I'm the driver. One minute I'm passenger, next time I'm the driver. And I think that probably is both, is that realisation that there's a physical action that you've got to take, but then there's a mental action you've got to take whether that's extra training or talking to somebody or writing stuff down is huge yep. writing stuff you want clarity write it down mm. you know and you have a look at the studies around the world of people that have written stuff down are 95 to 99 percent more successful than those that don't wow incredible last time you mentioned about um, you called some of the people that you owed money to and started making plans with them um to to in terms of payment plans or, or whatever um, for those who are in a similar situation what does that conversation look like like you ring someone up and go what first thing is we do we do is we put our big boy and big girl pants on right financially if you're in business and you've got the weight of debt starting to weigh you down it's time to take action now again go go back so let's do a whole bunch of Jeanette says you need to get ahead of your debt, mm -hmm. all right? You bury your head in the sand at your peril. And I can guarantee you, if you bury your head in the sand, you are doomed. You'll either get flooded or you'll drown or you'll die of suffocation. That's the reality. If you get ahead of it, what will tend to go with you is your character. Mm -hmm. So as a business owner, you have one of two ways that you can choose to approach things. Either you approach it as a complete wally and are, are horrible to people and treat all your suppliers like... Um, like dirt or you take another um, way of approaching things and you actually treat them as an extension of your business as a as a support for what you do as a as a um, you know another person in your corner because guess what you're never going to know when you're going to need them or they'll need you right mm. so when you so it's literally this easy okay let's pretend you're um, supplier a i'll ring you up and you, you'll be my rep mm -hmm. i'm like g'day andy um I'm so grateful for Supply A doing what they're doing. I'm just letting you know we're in a little bit of trouble. But we have a plan. Here's what our plan is. Here's what we'd like to do, and here's the support we need to get through it. Um, is there anything you need from me? Now, commonly what you'll f reflect back to me is, can you please put that in writing and send it to me? I've got some people I need to talk to. Yeah. But on no occasion, not once, did a single supplier, and I, from memory there was 26, well. 26 phone calls once you get on a roll it's fine because you yeah. know what to say right you just it's practice you ring the ring the ring the ones you got the best relationship with first great but at no stage did a single person say no what they may have done is ask for more information yeah. uh, but that was the thing you know we had, we had a plan moving forward we had ways of turning it around and there's this beautiful sort of 100 day window that if you get in early enough, then you, uh, uh, you, you, you're sweet. That's the reality. The one that is a little bit of a tip for those that are listening out there, and I'm breaking probably all the silence codes that IRD ever have, there's two secrets with IRD. You reach out first, buy a country mile, get in as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. 
The second one, uh, sorry, what you'll do with IRD is you'll you'll ring them and say, I, I've got some challenges, and they will then ask you to write basically a couple of page business plan as to how you're going to get out of that situation, yeah. repay your debt, but then what they'll also ask you is how will you ensure that you're never in this situation again. Right, so that's really big for them because you know they want you to learn lessons, but they're there to help. I don't understand these people that criticise the IRD. I've never had anything but positive things to say about them. They're a wonderful organisation. I, I, I just applaud them for what they do because I'm sure they get some very interesting phone calls. And so what will happen then is if you show a way of not only getting out, repaying the debt, but also never getting back in that situation again, the next step you take is irrespective of whether it's time to pay or not, you start paying anything. Anything you can afford, you pay it. Because what you show the entire ID is a clear intention that, you will re- that you're looking to repay the money. You, you're being proactive to, to move this thing forward. Yeah. And I can tell you now, and I won't ever talk about the phone calls that I had, but the difference between a person you're talking to about for help Versus the t- person you talk to after you've started making payments is the same person quite often, mm. but the attitude you'll receive from them is totally different. Yeah. Right now, that's not to say before they had a negative attitude, but they're really pushing hard to get some answers out of you yeah. how to make this work. Once you start paying, that intention for them is everything. Yeah. Right, they're only there to police the tax system. That's the reality. But they're not there to trip you up. They don't want to see people to go and go, go out of business. Mm. This is dumb. That's just dumb business. Mm. It doesn't work for, for us. It doesn't work for the government. It doesn't work for us paying for hospitals. It's just silly. It just creates mayhem everywhere. I think that, that thing you said about go into it assuming that they're in your corner actually is a super important thing. That like the words IRD for a lot of people automatically make them assume that this is going to be a drama and this person is not going to be on my side and this is going to be jumping through hoops. But actually, what you're saying is approaching it like they are in your corner actually changes the way you talk to them, uh, in which case it probably changes the way they talk to you um, because you're not being antagonistic, you're not being defensive, you're, you're being much more open, going, hey, this is the situation, what can we do about this? Um, as opposed to trying to get away with it for as long as you can um, until the point where you can't anymore. Um, well, the golden rule is you ring them, yeah. they don't ring you. Yeah. Right, that's the golden rule. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, that's fantastic. That, um, And I like the other thing you said, start with those people that you have the best relationship with because that's going to help you ease into that, that process. Mm. Um, with your, your personal, like your mental side of things, uh, for you, was that a thing where as the business started turning around, that kind of solved the problem for you? Or did you was there other stuff that you had to work on outside of that? What did that look like? Boy, oh boy, that's, that's loaded, man. That's loaded. <laughs> you, and the, the, the thing about this question is the answer will really surprise you. The answer comes in a, in a form of a picture. At, at Mount Cook, when people die climbing Mount Cook, do you think they die on the way up or the way down on the climb? I would have assumed on the way up. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because the, if you have a look at that or look at the big seven, the majority of people die on the way down. Wow. Crazy. 
So the thing, you know, the lesson in that is that, you know, you get to the top, you've made it, you've probably pushed yourself to physical exertion, you've run out of food, you've run out of oxygen, you've run out of all the stuff, and then on the way down, you hit the wall. Mm. Exactly the same. When the worm starts to turn within your business, the worst thing you can do is think mentally, oh, I'm sweet now. Mm. Whack! You get hit with... Um, depression or you get hit with and in my case all those thoughts and we, we spoke about you know jumping off cliffs and you know all that kind of stuff um, what what would life be like without me and was it really necessary that I was here you know all, that, all those kind of thoughts mm. that was that was after things had started to turn right so now I've sorted all of the tax out I've sorted all the supplies out our plan is in place and it's working I'm meeting with my credit control monthly yeah. controller monthly pay this don't pay that let them know what's happening they're going to get a little bit they're not going to get a lot not a problem we're implementing the plan just updating the few suppliers now that have just got a little bit of a lag you know we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars this isn't like mm. chump change this is, this is big dollars man and but all of those thoughts that were real bottom of the pit stuff happened when everything started to climb back out again mm. So that's that's when I said, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, the action wasn't being followed by the by the mental yeah, health right. support. That's when I said I actually need to go and see someone. Yeah, right. About what's happening internally. It's interesting. I, I relate to that a lot because I, like, with lockdown as an example, um, the lockdown I found really really challenging with uh, <clears throat> with the kids at home. We've got a two year old needs a lot of attention. Uh, trying to parent, trying to be the teachers, trying to do my work, trying to trying to let Bex do her work. Uh, so all this is going on for for the level four lockdown, and then level three comes around, and we add my parents to our bubble. And so they come over on the first day of level three, and they hang out for the afternoon and into the evening. And the next morning, I just crashed into depression, and it was almost like all the coping that I've been doing, and I finally went. We've got some support now. I can breathe, and I started feeling all of the stuff that had built up over that time, and I can hear that sort of thing in your journey of going, right. I've got to do this stuff. Get on with it. You know, call these people, whatever. And then you get to the point where it's turning, and suddenly it's like, okay, there's breathing space here. And then you start to feel all of the stuff that has just been building up for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, and it it does lead you into a space where actually you you start to feel that stuff. In a, in a much deeper way so um, yeah so so you then got talking to someone um, and you know what what was that journey like for you what what did that look like in terms of practicalities was there stuff you put in place um, as routines or or things to help shift things around um, I think you mentioned last time it was like a two-year journey of recovering what so what, what did it look like oh so go back to the the support that I that I thought was a um, psychologist yeah I got a recommendation from a friend that had been through some pretty tough um, divorce stuff and, and, and personal challenges, which I think is a great idea because, you know, these guys that go ahead of you have already, like, qualified these people, right? So it's a, it's a great thing to do. And actually, ironically, I'm going to see another person tomorrow that the same friend has recommended going to Auckland. But it's more in a life coach sort of, sort of way. So this, this is really cool, but it's good timing. So anyway, I'll go to see this guy. Let's call him Robin, because that was actually his name. 
And, and Robin said to me that, going back to that innate fear, humanity was built to survive, right? Humanity, uh, right from caveman days, whatever we want to believe the start was, was that we are designed to alleviate fear in our life. That's, that's, that's what, run from fear. That's what you're supposed to do. But he said the problem is when we don't have actual fear, we have imagined fear. This is a funny Funny psychological um, profile on people is when you don't have real fear, you imagine there is fear. So what he said to me was, it's like you're going through your business journey and what you see is a tiger on the track. I went, yeah, I can get that. He said, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to avoid that danger. You're going to go around it. He said, that's right. And as to, he asked some more questions. I won't go into it because it gets mm. pretty deep. We need a whole, whole other session. But he says, do you realise that as you're going along that track, that's not actually a tiger. I said, well, I can I can feel that now. I, I have some understanding of that. He goes, no, it's a cat or a possum or a dog. Mm. Okay, well, what does that mean? He goes, and then he, he'll talk some more, mm. do some more uncovering questions. And then he said, do you realise that there's actually nothing on that track? That your fear now is based on nothing? Mm. He said, it's imagined fear. You know, type thing. He didn't use that kind of language because he's way more articulate than I ever will be. Yeah. And I just, it wasn't a blinding flash of the obvious, but what it was was a lifting of that just weight yeah. that sits back of your neck and that mm. front of your temple, you know, on the back of your neck, just above the spine there, that weight that just sits on you, mm. that, that got lifted. And then, but then he starts to ask some questions about the future. What are you dreaming about? What are you believing for? And what is it that you're trying to do? And, you know, here's some psychology sort of, because I love psychology. It's awesome. Retail psychology is amazing. Um, but I love psychology. And so I said that to him. I said, I love this stuff. I'm really loving it. And at the end he goes, man, he said, I feel exhausted. This is like we've done three sessions in one session. He said, this has never happened before. I'm like, I'm pumped. Let's get out of there. He goes, I'm not going to see you again for a while, am I? I was like, I hope not. So two years down the track, I'm, I'm at the stage I need a refresher. Yep. Some stuff has come up in the last month. Um, I've been awake again at four o'clock in the morning. I've been been feeling really, you know, I've had a couple of little sweaty foreheads at four o'clock in the morning. And then, uh, you know, 10 days after that happened, suddenly went, it's absolute, we're absolutely fantastic and fine. But what does that tell me is I need a refresher. I've got to actually align what's going on in the physical and it's going really, really well to what's going on in the mental, which is not actually going so well, to be honest. Mm. Give myself a two out of five. Mm. Ask me next mm. week, it'll be, it'll be five. Yeah. Um, but it's good to know you've got to keep that refresher right. And that's the reality for us all is that actually, uh, I've talked about it in some of my other episodes where um, I guess you have this idea that you're either well or you're not well. Um, that that it's a there's a line and you're either above it or below it, um, but actually it's really a continuum that we're all on this continuum of of wellness and that there are times where you feel more well than others, um, and that that that's actually the reality for everybody. And so yeah, I like what you're saying about actually I, I've noticed that I'm I'm feeling less well than I have for a while. So let's just check in. Um, let's do something about that. Get a, a warrant of fitness. Um, you know, you, you do that with your car. You, well, not everyone does that with a car, but most most people do that with your car. And, and that is something that actually just keeps your car ticking along, keeps it going, uh, keeps it safe, keeps it healthy. 
so um, yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying is is like that. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. a warrant of fitness for your your mind. Well, the car analogy is a great one, right? Because you might have a 1979 something or other that's full of rust, full of holes, and barely goes. Or you might have a brand new 2020 Rolls Royce mm-hmm. that you see in Dubai, which is amazing, by the way. We don't get those cars here. That's not going to need a lot of work at all. It needs a polish every now and then, or you know, mm-hmm. this is going to get it done by professional, right? But the 1979 car needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So internally, where are you at in that continuum? Mm-hmm. Because you either need a lot of work, and we know there's just mental health for some people is, is just going to be their lifelong struggle. Mm-hmm. They're born that way. They would say that. But at the other end of the scale is, I actually might need that Warren Fitness once a year. I might need that spit and polish once a year. Or maybe there's a whole bunch of slide in between, and you've actually got to you've got to gauge that. What I would say though, let's say someone's sitting at home and they are employed. They're an employee right now, but they're thinking of making that change, thinking of making that change, and want to step into owning their own business. Mm. There's there's two things you've got to hold really carefully. Number one is that cash in the bank, right? So that's that's easy. Keep cash in the bank. That second one is the mental health journey that you're about to go on. Mm. Uh, owning your own business is the teller of all tales psychologically. Mm. It is. That's the truth of it. Whether you like it or not, your personality and your psychology will come out in your business. Yeah. So if you're an absolute tool, guess how you're going to operate your business. If you're incredibly generous, guess what your slant's going to be. Mm. You're going to want to be a philanthropist. That's reality both have ways of operating and it's an interesting sort of dichotomy but you've, you've got to know that this will expose it so why not start now mm. and my question is have you ever been to see someone prior to this point in time have you faced difficult situations are you facing difficult situations and particularly have you been a heavy user of substances and we don't talk about that we never talk about this I don't know whether it's taboo or not but what we see in terms of mental health and we know from aged care research is that they are preparing for an influx of dementia patients. They won't, they've never publicised those results, but they are because they know the substance abuse, both alcohol and, and drugs, heavy, you know, the heavy use. Basically, that's for some of us, that's our determined future. But the problem is when you're deteriorating to that point, you're going to need a lot of support in the middle. So if you're going to turn around and go and start a business, guess what? Mm. It's the teller of all truths, man. So if you're at that stage right now, you're an employee, you're moving into business, you are going to need lots and lots of support. Mm. And we'll talk about the 10 hats another day mm. of being in business, but it's make that decision today. You know, mm. Maybe put your hand up in the air and say, I do solemnly swear to myself that I will seek help, I will take help, and I will believe that they're there for the good of me. You know, mm. Cool. Um, as we wrap up, is there anything that you would say to those people who um, have found, I guess because of COVID, because of lockdown, they've found themselves in that space where things aren't working business-wise, um, things aren't working financially, things aren't working in whatever way, um, and things are just all just looking bleak. What would be the, the thing you'd like to leave them with? The thing about... Let's think of the SAS. Funny, funny, funny one to sort of align it with. Reading, or read, read Willie Appiata's book. One of the first things that they're told to do is not shoot. The first thing they do is wait, take a pause. 
take a breath. Go out and take some breath. Because we know they're in a turmoil for people facing the financial, the relationship, the business, the, 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 the employment world. It, it's, it's really tough on you mentally. But sometimes just taking a wee breath and, 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 and buying yourself some time. Go hug a tree. Go and sit in nature if that's your thing. Spend time with family if that's your thing. But I think we're at this stage, particularly with people that are in high-level positions, is first thing I want you to do is reimagine your industry. Um, a classic would be, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying this flippantly. I'm just saying as an idea, and you know, but um, the travel industry is a classic. I don't believe the travel industry is Monday to Friday anymore. I think it's Friday to Sunday. That's the reality. So if you're putting packages together, that's that's it. It's your internal internal holidays. Put it together. Make them extravagantly wonderful, or or you know across the board. You need to reimagine what your industry is going to look like. Mm. Now's the time. We saw it through earthquakes. We've seen it through, you know, the outpouring of love during shootings here in Canterbury. Mm. You need to reimagine your industry. Second thing you need to do is reimagine yourself. Now, what that is is an awakening of what is already there, mm. particularly in the business space. Find something you love. If you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm. And follow the open doors. All right, Nicole, follow the open doors. It's absolutely true. Don't follow the closed one, follow the open doors. And and then whatever will be, will be. Allow life, your, you know, if, if you're a, a believer, you know, that God would, would you know, guide you or, or, you know, whatever your faith journey or spiritual journey or just that you believe in yourself Follow the open doors and just see where it leads because at the very least, you're going to learn something. Awesome. That's a great place to leave it. Thanks again, Blair, for joining us. And, um, yeah, we just wish you well with uh, your personal journey, your professional journey, um, and, yeah, just value so much the, the insight that you've been able to share with us today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this bonus episode of Down to Earth Conversations. Uh, I hope you found our conversation with Blair beneficial uh, and inspiring. Uh, Blair, we do wish you well. Um, we thank you for your input and your vulnerability. Um, vulnerability is a huge way of bringing a bit of heaven down to earth, so we really appreciate that. Uh, if you have enjoyed the conversations with Blair, um, I will keep you in the loop. Blair's got some things planned around sharing more of his story uh, in a different space. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when that stuff comes out and we'll be able to uh, to link you to that so you can hear more from him and more of his journey and, and more of his uh, the things he's learned about business. So thank you, Blair. Um, thank you all for listening. And as always, let's finish by praying the Lord's Prayer together. Me'inoi tato. E to matu matu i te rangi, 
kia tapu tō ingoa, kia taumai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te taue pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, Mūro mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga, e hara nā kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawia, kia whakawaia, e ngari whakorangia mātou i te kino. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.